This is the Amazing Education Podcast. Powered by the Ames Community School District, I'm your host, Eric Smith. On today's episode, we are joined by longtime history and government teacher Kirsten Sullivan from Ames High School. We're going to have an amazing conversation about the importance of engaging high school students in the election process and how to be an informed voter. All right, Kirsten Sullivan, thanks for being on this episode of the Amazing Education Podcast. How are you? I'm good, good. Thanks for having me. So I don't know if you knew this, but we have an election coming up. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I heard a little. I heard <laughs> I don't something. Know, I don't know how a person could miss it at this point, but I thought it would be a really timely conversation for us to have around um, school and education and the election and how um, those two things really intermix. And the first person I thought of was you to have that conversation with. So um, I'm really excited that you're able to come on. Um, so when we think about like high school, it, it always feels like, you know, middle school and high school students, they're really getting to that age where they want to be more involved and they start to pay a lot more attention to um, not just politics, but issues that are important to them. And so I just wanted to give you an opportunity to, to talk about that. Why do you think that is? I mean, you've been around high schoolers much of your career. Most, my whole career. Yeah. It's high, actually, my whole career. Oh, I love it. Um, I, there's a curiosity, you know, in young people that's just kind of natural, and some of that curiosity uh, flocks to, you know, where they'll end up in their profession, the sciences or music or art um, or history or literature. But I think as kids get into high school, later high school, um, especially in Iowa, uh, politics becomes a bigger deal. They start to see the relevance. We're really lucky where we live because the candidates – um, during the primary season, they all come here, and you know, there's not a lot of places you could, you know, go to a diner downtown and meet Jeb Bush yeah. you know, or Hillary Clinton. Um, in fact, a lot of my students tell me that when they go off to college, if they go out of state, their roommates and friends are always astonished, like you met all the candidates, and like, but our students think that's normal because of where they live. And so I think yeah. that that helps living in Iowa because we're the first in the nation caucus that mm -hmm. that gives us, I mean, a, a, you know, a, a nice leg up as far as getting to meet the candidates. Also, I think living in Ames, a college town, yeah. there's, there's um, more involvement and a little more curiosity about it, but they're just eager, you know, kids are sponges. And if you're enthusiastic about something and uh, you know, they're gonna, they're gonna lean in a little and, and want to hear more. And you know, not every kid, but but a whole lot of them uh, are really interested. So I was reading something the other day, and it talked about um, the correlation between having like a civics education or having a teacher who is enthusiastic about you know um, not just politics but the process in and of itself and how that can really correlate to student engagement and, and you even noted it's like you know it's not for every student but I'm sure there you have a, a number of success stories that you know you've gotten students more involved in this process than what you maybe you even anticipated well um, yeah I think so uh, Rachel Junk's probably a good example Rachel <laughs> was in my, in my AP Gov class and um, I had not had Rachel in class before, and she was really interested and excited. Um, but, you know, she hadn't really talked about, you know, I think I'd like to do this as a young college student. Um, yeah. 
And then she reached out to me when she decided to run for city council, and what do you think? And I said, I think that sounds great. You know, and she said, well, I'm an Iowa State student. I said, it doesn't matter. You still have a voice. You still yeah. have a population that needs to be represented. And, and so she went for it. So I think, you know, and there's a lot of kids who really anybody, if, if you see the relevance, you know, it's so much. Uh, I was just talking to my students um, this last week about, why people show up to vote, why they don't vote, um, and why they have what we call low political efficacy or believing that it matters. And uh, I think a lot of it is just lack of information, that they don't see the relevance, they don't see why it matters. And I, I tell my students, I said, I said, it's math. You know, I said, just, you know, well, decisions are made by the people who show up. And so if you want someone else to make a decision for you, then don't show up. Uh, somebody's going to show up and a decision's going to be made yeah. and and uh they they seem to to take to that and you know i also tell them you know don't give away your power this is your power and they they're all about their power so <laughs> um so i think those two things but we talk you know there's the you know kind of the boring stuff that you just need to understand about the way your government operates but yeah. i think um when they see how how we originated and how different we are and that we're not built around, you know, a common language or a common religion or a common, you know, we're built around pluralism, more than one idea. And even when that's hard, it's still what makes us us. And I think they're, they're fascinated by that. So if, if I can get them excited, I tell them, you know, yes, I'm going to give you your requirements for graduation. And yes, I'm going to prepare you for the AP exam. But really, I just care that you vote. I care that you show up yeah. and, and advocate for yourself. And I think they... They get that, yeah. so they're usually pretty excited. We have a Young Democrats group um, at the high school, a Young Americans for Freedom group, mm -hmm. which is not Republican, but it's more conservative. There are Republican kids in it, Libertarian kids are in it, mm -hmm. um, and they've gotten more and more active. So I think it sort of feeds. You get a group that's excited, and it feeds into another group. It seems like my whole career at Ames High, we've always had some sort of political discussion group that met or club, yeah. and I think that that keeps it going. Plus, we have groups like Sacre. So Sacre yeah. centers around civil rights, but they talk a lot about policy and they talk a lot about um, institutional or systemic racism that can be addressed if you have people in office who will address it. So yeah. I think there's a just sort of a natural marriage between you know, what I do kind of officially in the classroom along with Mrs. Stearns, who also teaches U.S. government, mm -hmm. um, and the other clubs that exist. So, but you're right. Enthusiasm, I think, is the key. If you've got to think it matters or yeah. you're not going to bother. One of the things that I've always um, appreciated about um, some of the stuff that you do and, and you reference some of the student groups is the voter drive and, and getting students out to vote. But you know, you're there and a part of it. But from my perspective and, and my interactions have always been like the students are leading this. You're just kind of there to, you know, you know maybe, maybe steer it a little bit. But but the students are really doing this and they, they do, do it, it in a bipartisan way. And it's really important to them. Um, I unlock the door. Like I tell them, <laughs> I have the good. key. That's yeah. it. They are. And I, I mean, I guide them a little. You know, we need to remember about making announcements and when the deadlines are. Um, but I'll, you know, they have kids sign up to sit, to work the tables. And obviously, we're not doing that this fall because of COVID. But mm -hmm. um, uh, and they do it, and they make a sign up sheet, and they do it. They they tend to come to me if they have questions, uh, you know, or if they need to get in the building at a weird time to hang up yeah. their posters, things like that. Sure. But I'm clerical. Yeah. My role, <laughs> because they're motivated, 
And I'll tell you an interesting story. This fall, so we've not been in the building as a whole school. Yeah. And the new leaders of the Young Democrats said, we, we want to still have the drive. But the um, faculty advisor of the Young Americans for Freedom was Dan Flannery, who passed away, of oh. course, just before school started. Sure. And so their group was kind of, you know, working to find new leadership. And I knew the leaders because I have them in class. I had um, one of them in class last year, and I have her again this semester. And so reached out, and they said, you know, they're working on getting a sponsor, which they have a new one now. Um, Chris Kronovich is their sponsor. But the Dems, they wanted to do the drive, but they said we still really want to do it in a bipartisan way, but we mm -hmm. don't want to make the uh, YAF group feel like they've got to jump in and do all this because they don't even have a sponsor. Yeah. And they're, you know, grieving the loss of their other sponsor. Yeah. So um, I love that they said, they said, well, we're it's bipartisan no matter what. We'll do the legwork. And so they did some things. And they reached out to Sarah and um, uh, uh, Sophia and, and talked, you know, about a few things. Um, and and they, they, the messaging was just really important, which I liked. So we did it virtually. And um, in my classroom, I still had hard copies of registration forms and absentee ballots. Mm -hmm. People wanted them. And I think a few people stopped to get them. But the, the kids put together a document that had um, links to all sorts of things. You know, here's where you register. Here's how you get an absentee ballot. Here's the schedule for early voting. Um, and then they had some links to websites. Um, here's the GOP website. Here is the uh, Democratic website. I think they included Libertarian and Green parties also. Sure. Uh, but they just did a really good job of, of trying to get kids informed. Now, we don't have any way of knowing. Normally, we would have anywhere between, you know, probably about 80, 85 students yep. would register in a fall drive and then again in a spring drive. Uh, we don't have any way of knowing virtually. Yeah. You know, we put in a Google form, but... I know already that more registered than put in the, than answered the question in the form. Yeah, sure. We all want one more form to fill out. So <laughs> we don't really have any way of knowing about yeah. uh, turnout this year, but it's usually, you know, it's usually pretty good. I would say it kind of depends. You can register at 17, and so the kids will, you know, kind of target the juniors and the seniors and mm -hmm. try to get them registered. But there's usually more enthusiasm if there's an election. So yeah. if there's a caucus or something like that coming. Yep. Uh, so, and I think there would be enthusiasm if we were able to do it live. I, and I think there is, but we just don't know because we're not there to, yeah, to sure. see it. But they still, the kids who are organizing it, I sent it to the person who needed to email it out, and that's what I did. <laughs> <laughs> they, they did it all. They were marvelous. So because they're so engaged and we're talking, I mean, primarily let's talk, you know, juniors and seniors. They're on the, the cusp of, of being able to vote. What are their what are what are the big topics for our students right now that they're really you know rallying behind? Well, several. Um, they, I think they worry a lot about the Affordable Care Act that comes up um, when you hear you know they'll hear talk on both sides about losing coverage for pre-existing conditions mm -hmm. or I can't stay on my parents' insurance and. We're in a recession. What if I don't get a job? So I think that one feels tangible, yeah. especially kids who have chronic illnesses. That that one's very tangible to them. Um, I think uh, taxes. I think they pay attention to taxes. A lot of them. In have, what sense? Well, a lot of them have jobs where they get a paycheck. Okay. And so when we talk about taxes and what you know that their taxes are this big umbrella, but there's a lot of different kinds. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so they all, they know the SSI tax, that's the biggie <laughs> yep. that comes out. And, 
you know, what's that for? And, you know, explain it. So I think they pay a little closer attention because they're affected. They know yeah. that this was my gross and this is my net. And yep. Here's why. And, you know, some kids um, are like, well, this is, you know, the price of doing business. And then other kids are like, well, I wish it wasn't that high. So <laughs> you have both. Yeah. You have both, yeah. which is interesting. And it makes for good conversation. Um, I think I actually hear, and it's interesting because I probably heard from more men, young men than women out um, in, in conversations, but really from both, uh, they're really watching the Supreme Court. They're interested okay. in with the new court, yeah. and um, they know that they're, we've talked a little bit about the judiciary already in class, and they understand the basic process, and will the uh, Roe v. Wade be overturned? And, and I think as young people, you know, they're looking at, you know, being in their Uh, you know, going to college or work or wherever, starting their families or not starting their families and what that's going to mean for them. So it's interesting because you don't always know how, you know, what they're going to care about. Um, I would say, though, the number one thing and pretty consistently across all my classes right now is the environment, climate change. That's a very big deal to them. And, uh, you know, they'll say, well, I'm going to live 75 more years like yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, i'm worried and i thought you know that's when you think about it that way yeah you know we're not doing that we're, <laughs> <That's correct. laughs> we're not living no, 75 more years but when they think about it so we'll see yeah. we'll see uh, but they are very tolerant of each other and they're each other's views and i mean i have a a rule that you know we don't attack people we, yeah. we can attack ideas sure. and, and they also know that i have an expectation that they know what they believe yeah um and that's tough because they're at the age where they're kind of starting to f- shape that and think about what they believe. Yeah. And, and, you know, I tell them my job is not to tell you what to believe. It's yeah. to tell you how to find good information, yeah. how to discern fact from fiction, credible news sources, yeah. things like that. And so I do want to come back to that. Um, but before we um, get to that part of it, I, I've i had conversations. This was probably a year ago now where I've had conversations with some Sacre students and we talked about <laughs> racism. And I was just really impressed with the way that they had that conversation with their peers. Are there any other, um, and and as we know, I mean, we did a podcast um, on um, racial injustice um, with Dr. Jones and, and equity, but are there are there any other topics, and, and maybe that's one of them, that, that are really challenging as, as a teacher to navigate, and maybe our students even do it better than what we do at times? Well, I... Th- when you get into those, especially when you teach government, you know, yeah. kids are talking about what they believe and, you know, they're bringing different experience, uh, experiences to the table. And so they may believe what they believe because of a very tangible moment in their lives. Yeah. or they may believe it because it's what their parents believe. So it is, it can get a little sticky. And mm-hmm. so that's why my rules are, you know, you just need to know why you need to be able to defend it. And that just yeah. forces them to think about it. Hey, before I say this, can I articulate why? Um, and then we just kind of take chances. We talk about it being a safe space. Yeah. That we've got to allow each other to screw up. We've got to allow each other to say the wrong thing. And then yeah. we back up. And we say, okay, I didn't say that the way I meant to. But I really, you know, the the climate is very sensitive right now. And, and I think that it's, it's warranted. And I think that that's fine. But I also think when you're talking about kids, they're learning how to be adults. Mm-hmm. And... So they can be told, well, this is, you know, racist or this sounds intolerant. And they're still, even if their intentions are good, sometimes they screw up. They just say it the wrong way or yeah. they say it unintentionally. So we work really hard, um, I think, in several of our humanities classes and I think in 
um, the English department as well, working on that language. And um, I see it with uh, racism issues. I also see it with um, gender issues. Uh, we have several students um, who are um, transgendered or, yeah. um, you know, are in the process or, um, and, and everybody's kind of in a different place. You know, I, I had students who embraced the entire process and were very open and, and talked about it and people were uh, informed about it and then other kids who go through it in a more private way. Mm-hmm. And so for the, the other kids to know how to talk about that, but really in social studies, you know, in government, in history, in the history course that I teach, we talk a lot, you know, this is about humanity. I mean, we learn, I tell my European history kids that history teaches you how to be a human. And you're gonna say dumb things sometimes because we're humans and we're flawed, but we gotta work really hard to not be that way, to be tolerant and be inclusive. And you can believe what you wanna believe. We talk about that a lot too in government um, and regular and AP, that your beliefs are your own and nobody can tell you what to believe. It's, and the government is never going to legislate what you believe. Mm-hmm. But you have to be prepared to have that there's an opposing belief. And you have to be prepared, you know, sometimes kids will say, you know, oh, well, I believe that and, and they told me not to. And I said, well, it's free speech. I said, well, free speech is about the government regulating what you believe. Yeah. It's not yeah. about you getting pushback for something that you say. So I try to give them those experiences so then when they go into the world as adults, <laughs> then they're a little bit more familiar with, yeah. you know, I have to own what I say. I have to own my behavior. Yeah. I have to yeah, be... Yeah, the stakes are a little higher. I mean, once you move into Right. I mean, I'd, I'd rather it be where there's a little bit of a softer landing. I sure. mean, I'll, I'm going to tell them, hey, you know, that was not okay. That was inappropriate. But here's yeah. why. And let's... Because I really don't believe... I think in my 28 years, this is year 28 of doing this, I've had very, very few kids who have said something like that, that unkind, that it was malice. That mm-hmm. I just I just haven't had it. Yeah. And um, I think Ames, I'm not saying that Ames is without that, but I think I've had colleagues nationally who talk about these kind of problems in a much more overt way. And um, But, you know, we have to be sensitive overtly and institutionally yeah um, and if, if we want them to be high functioning effective productive comfortable in their own skin adults they need to be able to explore that so we try to create a space where you can maybe say the wrong thing or do the wrong thing but we also have to keep in mind you know the other kids in the room right that if you know who are you offending by saying what you're saying you know you're learning but they're also receiving your message and so yeah. we have to work through that and Generally, they don't require a lot of me. I kind of lay out my ground rules, yeah. and um, and then and they, I think they like to. I really do believe that if you set the bar, they're gonna try to meet it and exceed it. Yeah. They really are. Um, so just don't set it low. Well, I just I really appreciate the the process of understanding a topic because oftentimes you know there's there's talking points on on both sides and but oftentimes topics are not that simple you know no, and there's and nuance. Yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of nuance to it and I I just going through that process of not only having a perspective or a viewpoint or an opinion but but the process of getting to that and and possibly even changing that over time i just think it's a, it's a it's a hugely valuable 
um, skill to have, you know, even, even moving into adulthood. Well, if we're going to live in a place that values pluralism, that's one thing <laughs> yeah. that young Democrats and young Americans for freedom, they hope to resume it maybe next semester if we're able to be live again. But uh, right now they're not. But they before would meet as often as they could, maybe once a month as a joint group, and they would pick out their topic ahead of time, yeah. and they would debate it. And I just love that. Uh, and, and they, you know, when we fir- the first time we did it, they ran some topics by me, and some of them were pretty, you know, I thought, that's really brave. So yeah. well, why don't we start a little slower, and let's get to know each other and create a feeling of confidence and security and, and respect, and then we can dive in. And they, and they absolutely, and... Uh, and then they, you know, did it the next time. So they, yeah. they, they really do want to be respectful, and they even go so far of, I don't know if you want to say compliment, but, you know, hey, thank you for telling me that. I, you know, yeah. I, I still disagree policy-wise, but I, I understand so much better why you believe what you believe. Yeah. And, and they just do a marvelous job, and I want to just bring in the adults. Yeah. Well, <laughs> so. you know, that, that type of... Um, that type of enthusiasm is not something we're going to see on a on a debate night, you know, leading into any election, not just this election. It's just uh, I, I really appreciate that perspective. Um, you know, information evolves and how informed, you know, I want to talk about being an informed voter and honestly how complicated that is, um, not only for adults leading into this election, but for students as well. I mean, you and I didn't walk around and I'm going to hold up my phone, you know, with a supercomputer in our pocket where we can get any information we want at the, you know, the tips of our fingers and then just navigating you know, the social media component of it. I mean, it's not difficult to create misinformation and this is on both sides and so as a teacher how do you help navigate you know our students with that they have so much information available to them well you know there's some research being done right now um that's still pretty fluid about you know are we more informed now than we were because of the internet because i mean we have the capacity to be but are what's out there and you know for a couple of reasons number one is that we have so many choices that we can park ourselves where we want to be and get that confirmation Mm -hmm. affirmation Um, and another is we can choose to not watch news at all I mean when I was a kid if something bad happened we all watched one of the four channels on TV we all watched it we Mm -hmm. all experienced it together and here you know you can turn off the news and turn on one of 20 sports channels or DIY home yeah, you know, anything. Core, I mean, there's so many you choices. Turn on Netflix. <laughs> exactly. Um, so so I, that's one thing that's being looked at that's interesting. There's okay. so many choices. But what I, uh, what we do, actually, Miss um, Stearns and I both, in regular government and AP government, are pre- pretty similar, is we do a, a unit on media and fake news. Okay. And we talk about how to discern fact from fiction and what is biased news versus fake and we show them lots of different examples. In fact, I have students who are working, um, it's due today, on an assignment that is, uh, I showed them some examples of fake, and then I, I use um, a resource that shows, it's a media bias chart, and they can see kind of where they fall, and it's updated pretty regularly. Yeah. And then they, can, they have to find an example, and then it, why they thought it was fake or why they thought it was biased. So I think really the best thing is just to teach them that discernment skill yeah and you know that there are you know for example you know the new york times is not fake 
The New York Times is the paper of record. Yep. It is credible. It's internationally recognized. It may not be your, you know, choice of news, sure. but it's absolutely, you know, it's credible. Yep. And so we have to talk about that, and that can get a little sticky, mm-hmm. um, you know, because the president dismisses it as fake. And, sure. and that can get tough, too, because they are, you know, of the mind, well, if the president says it, it must be yeah. true. And that right. so that can get a little sticky. So I try to give them some basics there, but uh, really just help them kind of discover, show them some examples, you know, of here's, here's the story, and then here's one take on it, and here's another yeah. take on it. And we look at bias by omission. I just used with my students the example of... Um, Oh, a few years ago when um, a few high school, Ames High students chose to um, step aside during the national anthem at a football mm-hmm. game. Yep. And uh, a blogger, I remember it well. A blogger, I imagine you do, <laughs> a blogger picked it up and he linked it to a new source. Yeah. And there was all this pushback. And, and uh, so we used that because the language is very incendiary. Mm-hmm. And he had, uh, according, looking at his blog, he had pulled a couple of sentences from the Des Moines Register. Right. But it was all very out of context. Yeah. And um, like he referred to them as budding anarchists, which they thought was hilarious. No, I, I, well. Uh, so, I mean, it was so completely yeah. far-fetched and yeah. silly and not even remotely what happened. Yeah. And, but we talked about it, how, you know, did students step off the field and not participate? Yes, they did. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. But the way this makes it sound like is yeah. that it was just this, like, mutiny. And... Um, and then there were some falsehoods in it as well. And so we talk about that, and they like, they're like, well, that's here. That's Ames High. Yeah. And, and they like that. So I think, honestly, the, the best way for them is just to teach them, show them different examples. So when they are looking, one of the first questions I ask is, you know, where do you get your news? And mm-hmm. they'll say Twitter. Yeah. Okay, well, I mean, a lot of people do. But I yep. said, well, but Twitter is not your news source. Right. Are you following a news source on Twitter? Yeah. Are you seeing what your friends post? You know, if you are, if that's all the only news you're getting, then you're depending on your friends to post credible news. Yeah. Oh, okay. I hadn't really thought about it that way. Yeah. So, so it's not that that's bad. You just need to be aware. Yeah. Right. Right. And you know, even if you read a biased news source or watch a bias, it's not bad. You just need to have an awareness so you yeah. know what you're getting could be leaning. We talk about the same thing when we look at polling. Yeah. You know, political polls. Who made the poll? How was the poll worded? You've got to have, be discerning about your source. So I think that's probably the biggest thing I yeah. do. I don't necessarily say, except for, you know, the obvious, this is right, this is, this yeah. is fake. Yeah, no, right. But uh, otherwise, I let them discern. They figure out what they, you know, I said, just because it tells you something that you like doesn't necessarily make it true. And that's yeah on both sides. Well, and that's interesting. Um, just referring back to the um, and we have just a couple minutes left, but referring back to the example that you gave, you know, I was at the football game. I read the exact article that um, or blog post that you're referring to. But the amount of people who took that blog post as fact and reality um, was quite shocking to me, to be quite honest with you. I mean, we ended up as a district. We got... I, uh, it was hate mail from 48, I think, out of 50 states, you know, yeah, and, and yeah. It, so it was just fascinating to me just um, how information very quickly can become reality without, I think, what, you know, you're trying to teach students is is having that awareness and being able to discern information. Yeah. So what he wrote was entertainment. I mean, I didn't find it entertaining. No, I didn't either, but quite honestly. Ridiculous. <laughs> but he was not, he was trying to get 
clicks. He's trying oh, to yeah, get traffic. Oh, yeah, 100%. And, and they understand that. And yeah. that, that's something that's interesting is that I don't really have to teach them that. They understand yeah. clickbait and they understand yeah. getting lured in. But they were astonished because these students were, I think, freshmen mm -hmm. when it happened. So they kind of remember it happening. Okay. But um, something else that was really remarkable about when it happened is the one of the drum majors of the band was in my class when mm -hmm. it happened and we talked about it. And he shared that the band was very respectful and understanding yeah. that the students wanted to do it and yeah. they appreciated that they stood off because it was a performance but completely understood and supported their right to do what they wanted yeah. to do it was very inclusive and very respectful that's exactly right and yet this pushback and some of the students this year said well why didn't you know people who were happy about it call and why didn't because i had told them how they had received so many phone calls I said, I don't think they thought they needed to. Yeah. It's just the way we do it. This is America. Yeah. And we have free speech. And these students have, they didn't, you know, they didn't, as Tinker versus Des Moines taught us, they don't leave their rights outside yeah. the schoolhouse door. Correct. So I, people didn't call with support because they didn't know they needed to. So it is it is interesting. But um, if they are they are the future, yeah. then I'm, I'm feel, I feel good. Well, with that said, uh Every podcast goes very fast. I think I stayed at the end of every episode. Um, so I wanted to thank you for coming on this episode. Um, it's just incredibly timely leading into this election. So I want to thank you again. And for everyone who's listening, um, I hope that you enjoyed what you heard or if you're watching on YouTube and, and enjoyed this podcast. So please share it with others. We appreciate spreading the word about the Amazing Education podcast. And, and with that said, we'll be back for another episode shortly. So thank you, Kirsten. Yeah. Thanks for having me.